0: Welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications and Advocacy with NCBI and I'm joined today by Robert Thompson who is a service user of NCBI um, and is now retired. So welcome Robert and thanks for joining us.
1: Hello and thank you for having me on.
0: I suppose just to um, outline to to our listeners would you mind just telling us a, a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, um, I am currently retired. I worked all my life, so I know most regarded as a normal job. I worked in the insurance business and didn't have any sight problems other than perhaps a weak right eye. I drove a car as part of my work for a good number of years. And towards the end of the 1990s, my sight was, Losing a bit, but I was still driving and still working, and I uh, then coming towards the more end of my career. Although I retired a little bit early, primarily because I was having to go to meetings when lots of figures and information was put in front of you, and you were expected to read them in a hurry, and I was just that bit slow with that sort of stuff. So I was struggling with that, and besides, I had 37 years done at that stage. So I did a deal with my employer and um got early retirement, which was, was, was very uh, welcome at the time. Now, having done that, at that stage, I had to give up driving. My sight was giving me that much difficulty, all right. But then I did some consultancy work. Having worked in the insurance industry, um, in the claims area in particular, I did some consultancy work for uh, the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland and um, worked there for another five or six years. In, at which time I still wasn't able to drive, was able to manage other things quite normally, really. But then the big hit came in uh, 2007. When I say big hit, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over a period of about two months, uh, which to me was quite sudden. But my sight went from a level of being able to read to not being able to read, from being able to watch TV to not being able to watch TV to not being able to see buses coming, and things like that so that was a, a major uh, event in my life at that stage and that changed the course of my life from there
0: two months is a very short period of time to be fair um so tell us how did you adjust to that
1: well initially it hit me like a ton of bricks because i lived a fairly active life and uh, i was suddenly confronted with not being able to do normal things and i went through a time of um with depression and adjustment to that. But uh, over time, I, I did come get on top of it. I suppose one thing that turned my 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 uh, whole focus was to begin to think of things that I was able to do beforehand that I might still be able to continue doing. And I suppose the thing that turned it for me, um, in particular, was my son's wedding was coming up. And I, of course, as father of the bride, would, would have to make a speech. Now, I had done many of those in business before, but always with notes. But now I had to work without that. And that made me begin to think, how can I do this? So I just worked on it and committed it to memory and did it. And that was the first thing that turned me around to say, look, I can do some of the things that I used to do before. Yes. And went from there to doing small DIY jobs because that was also within my uh, kind of life before that, quite big time, actually, uh, before that. So I started my turned my hand to some of those sort of things and learned how to use saws without cutting my fingers and hammer without hammering my fingers and and so on. And uh, other means of measuring without having to depend on being able to read a measuring tape and things like that. So gradually uh, I worked on those and got back into circulation a bit again. Uh, and that was sort of the way I, I began to turn around from this kind of level of sudden loss and depression into being uh, able to find myself being more useful or uh, more involved in life.
0: And to be fair, Robert, the the book that you have written, Insights into an unsighted World, um, which we'll talk about in a second, is very inspiring and it is very um, practical as well. But certainly the area you you alluded to there about the um, DIY and stuff, I I think it sounds as if you're totally understanding what you've accomplished um, in the projects you were connected with with your local church can you tell us a bit more about those yes well just by way of background
1: i've always had an interest in diy and have done quite significant things like years ago i built my own house and um i did some building projects with my brother now that wasn't my job of course but that was just a sideline. Um, yes but you know, that, that's the background to that i have been involved with my local church for well all of my adult life shall we say and I've done a number of projects there as well but more recently and this is much more recently now than 2007 this is only about two years ago we were doing a quite a major extension at our church uh, and I project managed that now this was a, a large project as in a, a one million euro project but I managed that um, through the architects and the and who was involved But it was done partly by engaging a contractor to do it, but a large part of it we did ourselves, which was more challenging from my point of view in that I had to coordinate all the different tradespeople to do the various pieces and manage costing and that sort of stuff. Some of the work I did myself with others because I could still do lots of this sort of stuff, even though I couldn't do a whole lot. So that worked out very satisfactorily and everybody was delighted with the end result because we saved a lot of money by doing it that way.
0: That was, that was uh, very satisfying, I must say. Very much so, and it certainly sounds as if um, not only are you very determined, but you certainly can turn your hand to um, adapting to different ways of, of working. And also, I'm sure it was quite um, illuminating for many of the tradesmen that you were connected with. They possibly wouldn't have come across um, someone who is blind to be able to do as many tasks as you were doing. Yeah, uh, I had to gain the confidence first.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm
0: sure.
1: Many of them kind of say, yeah, kind of who's he type of thing, he can't see. But very soon they realised that I could feel an awful lot of things and hear a lot of things that they would never have realised. Um, because, for example, you can, you can hear carpenters, you can hear different people. And I go around afterwards and feel like carpenters has been done to make sure it feels right. And lots of things like that. And uh, some people would obviously help me out with describing things and tell me what's here and what's there. And that worked very well. I also, of course, had to convince the architects and the building contractors that I could manage to work off plans. Now, I couldn't read, couldn't see the plans at all, but I memorized the details from previous discussions and then was able to keep on top of the development as it went forward. Um, but yeah, once you gain the respect and they know that you know what you're talking about, um, then uh, you can get on with the, with the job.
0: Fabulous, but I, th- I think it's possibly also um, an opportunity for, for them to now challenge their own perceptions as, as they are engaged in, in future roles, either in pro- professional or personal lives. Um, and that's certainly something yeah. to, to be welcomed. Yeah,
1: I certainly hope it, it, ha- it, do- it has done. Certainly anything to come in contact with me now, as they'll be back to do other bits of things here and there, uh, they immediately kind of know how to approach you and how to... Uh, how to like just make allowance for the fact that I can't see, but yet I know what I'm talking about in terms of the piece of work that's in hand.
0: Correct, correct. And tell us, what prompted you to, to write your book, Insights into an Unsighted World?
1: Well, um, switching away back again to just post-2007, I have a number of friends and family who have turned out to be excellent guides this is long before I got my guide dog, which was only much more recently. So I have some people who are excellent at guiding. And I had one friend in particular who was uh, excellent at this. But, of course, they have to learn as well as I do uh, as to the things to do and not to do. And one day, with this lady, I was approaching a set of steps. And she said to me, well, of course, I didn't, didn't know that because I couldn't see them. But uh, she said to me, we we're approaching steps. So, of course, the obvious question, are they going up or are they going down? which is sort of important when you can't see which way the steps are going. A bit of an So uh, she said, oh, yes, I never thought of that. So then she began to pick up an, a number of things like this that I was telling her or she was saying to me, which weren't perhaps as, as clear as they might be. And she was learning very quickly and she said, you should write a book about this. So I parked that thought for a year or two. And then I started making notes of all these bits and pieces of things which I felt would be very useful not just for people losing their sight but also for friends and family of people who have lost sight or are going through that process as to how best to to guide them and interact with them. So I put all that together into a series of uh, tips and then I decided that maybe there's a possibility to publish this but it was a bit, um, what should we say, uh, too textbook on its own although it's written in a lighthearted fashion but I Thought it might be wise to add some personal stories of events in my life, which just amusing events, so I added them to the second half of the book to make the book. And then, of course, more recently, I went to a second edition, uh, which I included the piece about that building project I just mentioned, and also I got my guide dog, so I'd written a piece uh, at the end of that called "It's a Dog's Life," which is a longish piece about life as seen to the eyes of a guide dog, as to how a guide dog operates. Which Um, many people have found quite amusing and interesting and instructive and informative as well. So that's been the story of my book.
0: Yeah, to be fair, the the tone of the book is very um, informative yet informal. And I suppose that's what's so enjoyable uh, about it because not only does it provide those kind of tips on how you can interact with people who are blind and vision impaired um, and their guide dogs, but also uh, peppered throughout it is obviously your own personal experience um and i suppose that's what's um so human about it um i suppose my next question really would be in terms of is there any particular advice you'd give to somebody who has recently received a diagnosis of sight loss
1: yeah well um i suppose it depends on whether this is sudden loss as in immediate loss or over time my sight deteriorated from that first time in 2007 to where it is the moment from being able to see bits at at that time to pretty well nothing now. So I had the advantage of learning as I went along. But uh, if that's your situation, then I would say that uh, all is not lost. There's plenty that people can turn their hand to. I would think in particular, I would encourage people to uh, think of the things that they used to be able to do um, or used to like doing or be good at before the lost their sight and see are there ways in which you can adapt to do that now clearly if you like driving you won't be able to drive anymore but there are lots of things like I was able to adapt some of my uh, DIY stuff to, to, to be able to continue doing it I'd say focus quite a lot of energy on that um, and the other advice I would say is depending on where you are with technology I would uh, think that uh, if you are fairly technologically able from before losing your site, then there's plenty of scope for you to get involved with uh, different softwares which can, can 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 help you. NCBI have been very good about this, in that they've they're well on top of all of the developments and everything's going on in the modern technological world, and will help and give advice on that, which I found good. Now I'm not a highly technological person, and bear in mind that. Uh, I lost my sight before the modern technological explosion of uh, social media and so on, but I get by. But I would say that um, even if you don't have any uh, wonderful level of technological skill, there are lots of things that you can learn to do and use. I mean, for example, um, I use an iPhone and with voiceover turned on and that I can get by with lots and lots of stuff. But I would say also for anybody who wants to go to their, their PC, there's things like NVDA and uh, JAWS, which are hugely beneficial in assisting with, with working through of normal stuff. If you're in the process of just losing sight, you can still see some, there's a product called text again, which NCBI can help you get, which uh, can help you maximize the use of this, whatever sight you have left. But if it gets... Beyond that, then you need to probably consider NVDA, which is free. Uh, JAWS, you'll have to purchase. Uh, And I have both in mind. And um, I'd actually defer to or default to uh, NVDA probably most of the time. So they're the sort of bits of advice. Two basic things. One is technology. And um, the other is adapting your your pre-sight loss skills in whatever way you can. Uh, They're probably the two most significant pieces of advice I could give. Oh, sorry, and possibly one other, if I may. Um, oh, um, course. Yeah, because um, uh, using a, a mobility cane is hugely beneficial uh, for two reasons. One is that it makes the world at large realise that you cannot see them, and they're going to have to make some adjustments, particularly out in the footpath. But particularly, it gets. I used a mobility cane for oh, probably uh, yeah, most of ten years, I think, um, before I got my guide dog. And I found it wonderful for getting around, but in particular to alert other people and make you feel as though you're not uh, kind of uh, doing something silly because actions, if you're blind and doing certain things without a cane in your hand, you could look a little bit kind of, you know, silly, kind of groping around for something. Whereas if you have a cane in your hand, uh, people immediately know that this person ha- can't, can't just can't see. And it also gets an easy way of getting assistance as well if you, if you need it. So that is a, a psychological hurdle for some people, but if that is a hurdle for somebody, I would say do everything you possibly can to overcome the, the, the kind of the, your kind of resistance to it and get using it. But once you get using it, you wonder why you why you know, kind of why you ever did without it. So that's just one of the pieces of advice I give.
0: And, and thank you for that. Um, and certainly, NCBI uh, can offer assistance to anybody who is interested in using a long cane um, and can offer long cane training in that regard to maximise people's independence. And I suppose that the last question Robert I'd be interested in asking you is just in connection with your guide dog Rona and how much of a, a difference that um, has made to your life. You mentioned you have only been, um, had Rona for the last number of years but what kind of improvements has that made for you?
1: It has made me much more mobile in getting around <coughs> In that uh, I don't have to depend on my cane. In that, with my cane, I would have a fair few bumps with things. Now, I mean, it depends how well you use it. But in general, you can avoid poles and all sorts of obstacles like that. But the dog is 100% effective on that. I've only had, in two years, I've only had one bump with the dog. Uh, whereas with the, getting around with a cane, I could have had several. So yes. she's excellent at uh, finding curb edges. Um, and in general, just my confidence of walking around, I can walk around more freely uh, in that I don't have to kind of worry about every step. I could actually, well, I can't see now anyway, but <clears throat> I am walking blind, uh, you know, to make just the, the in, in that I just don't see where I'm going. So I can walk quite confidently with the dog and know that I don't have to worry about bumping into something. Whereas the cane, I had to find it. That was a significant difference. Um, so, yeah. And uh, I mean, there are lots of ways in which the dog kind of, Understands how to get me around, uh, finding curb edges and turning left and turning right, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so That makes life just much more, uh, when I'm out of it, much more, she would say, fluid for walking.
0: Great, and obviously, um, not only does she ensure that you navigate safely and confidently, um, but it it, it maximises your your independence as well. So you're out and about, um, and I suppose just doing encourage listeners to um, jump onto the NCBI website to uh, avail of Robert's book. Um, again, it's called Insights into an Unsighted World um, and does provide a list of tips to, to family members and friends on how to interact with people who are blind and vision impaired and then gives insights into Robert's own experiences. But for now, Robert, can I thank you very much for participating in our podcast um, and to encourage anybody who is listening that if they wish to avail of NCBI services, as always, they can call the info line 1850 33 43 53. Many thanks, Robert.
1: Okay, thank you.